0: Welcome to Salem Podcast.
1: We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides.
0: My name is Jeffrey Lilly.
1: And I am Sarah Black.
0: And today we're going to talk more about Samuel McIntyre. Two, do yeah. dos.
1: Yes, last time we spoke, we were just hitting the peak of his career. Today, we're going to round that out, talk a little bit more about his relationship with the Derby family, some of the most famous and rich in all of Salem. You've probably
2: heard about them before.
1: We've definitely talked about them before. We'll also cover his death, his legacy, and how you can find him or the remnants of him if you come visit our fine city.
0: I'm. I'm not sure the remnants of him
1: is. I don't re- mean like his physical body, You're like like
0: like like his arms and one like like he was. drawn I mean, you toward. could go
1: dig in an old burying point, um, but I don't suggest that one.
0: Like uh, like um.
1: I mean, like the mark he has left on Salem. I'm just
0: saying, like William Wallace is, is buried in several different places throughout uh, Scotland. You can go and find the remnants. Okay. of <laughs>
1: Okay. You, you said remnants. This got and I was super like, morbid <laughs> super quickly. <laughs>
0: The, the remnants of Sam, to okay. So to be fair, the remnants of Samuel McIntyre, you can find the Charter Street bearing
1: point. That's what I just said. You can go dig in in the burying point don't, if you want. Don't tell
0: people to dig in the bearing I point. I just
1: did. You not just hear what I said? If I literally you want. said.
0: No, I don't care. <laughs> don't if you Don't do that. I don't care if you want to or not. Don't. Do, someone tried that like five years ago. They got arrested.
1: I'm surprised it wasn't you
0: seven years ago it sounds
1: like something you would do was it
0: 2017
1: what would you do to get your hands on the skull of samuel mcintyre i don't care you don't care about samuel's skull no at all
0: his brain's gone
1: yeah but like the vessel in which that brain once sat Mm. is still very much there
0: i don't know i don't know if i'd want a famous person's skull really i have to think about it
1: all right, well, get back to me on that. Let okay. me know whose skull you would be into keeping.
0: So the remnants are in Charter Street, but uh, we got we got a little bit other stuff to cover first.
1: When we left Samuel McIntyre, we were talking about his progression through his career, how he went from a, you know, just standard carpenter trained under his father and developed that skill into design work, creating these homes from the beginning, and then... Into carving, more of a. What, what, a,
0: what was his... Do, do you have it handy? That the, the list of how he registered himself.
1: So he went from housewright, to joiner, mm-hmm. to carver. Okay. He so he's always learning. He's always developing these new skills, honing in on his skill, his style, and perhaps it's at this point that we talk about one of his most famous commissions.
0: Something about a house.
1: More like a mansion. Palace palace it was indeed a palace and this palace was for Elias Haskett Derby but it's not like they went to Samuel and was like hey Sam do this for us they were definitely looking at other opportunities other people Sam is it now (laughs) it's Sam now Uh, we're on a we're on a nickname basis (laughs) but in reality they did know him well I mean his first work for them was done back in 1980
0: (laughs) yes Done it. Done in 1980. It was
1: done back in 1780. Yeah. Excuse me. So they've had a almost 20 year relationship with this man.
0: So it goes from the Hawks House, which we were talking about, to the pinnacle of of the of the Derby Wealth uh, is 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 that mansion, which of course we all know isn't there. Sorry. So so doesn't survive, uh, which I think is is just the the level of like I. I don't know. It, it. We've talked about this. We'll probably never stop talking about it. I get his son didn't want want it. The money, the family, the wealth, the economy. But like of
1: all the things to do with it, you demolish it.
0: Like not. E- I don't even know what the taxes must have been. And you know the the trade embargoes from Jefferson. We've talked about all this before. But I just and, and it hadn't even been, would have been up like like ten years, 15. 15 years, fifteen years, Eighteen
1: fifty Yep. Like that's that's not even. It's just like a blink of an eye. It's not even a lifetime. It's. We do have a note from Reverend William Bentley again, describing its demise. The convenience of the spot for other buildings brought a sentence of destruction on it. And before the world, it was destroyed from its foundations. So that was in 1815. Spoiler alert, McIntyre will not be around to see its demise, which I'm sure is, which I think is a good thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, thank goodness. I mean, he dies eighteen eleven. So,
1: can you imagine seeing this? This would have been this and the Lyman Estate are two of one of the most prominent private homes that he created. And to see this one just be ripped apart less than twenty years after its conception, it's kind of crazy.
0: So, this is also the estate that we get um, the chair from. Uh, so not only, and I I love this bit about it too, is not only did he have a hand in the actual structure of the house, but in the decoration and uh, our um furniture and in the interior of the house. So you're like, hey, yeah, I designed the building, and and the garden is mine. But the, the
1: amount of carving he did on the interior, yeah, insane. Yeah, the moldings, the mantles. My favorite fireplaces. part of fireplaces. Yep. The mantles? It's
0: not just the, the mantle. Like the the whole, I, I don't know. When I say mantle, I think just the. Oh. Just like. like
1: They did call them chimney pieces technically. Okay. So I guess that makes more sense. But when I think chimney piece, I think of like the piece like up at the top. Okay. You know, okay. which oftentimes was decorated yeah. in sorts of, it was embellished. But yeah, no, we mean like on the inside, not just the mantle, but the entire construction of that fireplace. Perhaps my favorite part of the Derby Mansion, and this is similar to the Lyman estate, he created a an oval room.
0: Oh, I, I uh, thought you were going to go somewhere else. What? What your actual favorite part is, but continue.
1: Yeah, no, my actual, oh, oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> no, I think I have. I may have a new favorite part. This, this plays into it, though. If you were to walk up to the house, you've got columns up the front, three stories, got a, a balcony on the front. Um, which they called a portico. So it kind of, you know, it's an overhang on the front door. And of course, you've got the the outer buildings to either side. But as you move through the house, you enter into a great hall with a, a winding staircase up to the second floor. You've got four rooms on either side. But if you walk past that stair hall, you will enter in what he called an oval room or an oval drawing room. And it had led out into the gardens. So imagine being in this oval-shaped room to entertain guests. And the entire ceiling is embellished. It was called an Adam ceiling. And my first thought was Sistine Chapel. Maybe that's why it's called an Adam ceiling. But it was actually named for a Scottish family of architects. Um, I guess the proper term is Style of the Adam Brothers. But you know those old homes where you look up top and it has all the embellishment? Yeah, yeah. That's what they had. So you would walk into this room and then you would walk out into the garden. Of course, then the waterfront is right there. So in the back of the house, you've got the gardens, the Federalist-style gardens, and the Derby Summer House, which we have talked about.
0: Pause on on, on your favorite thing there. So the the Oval Office. So the White House is another great example of Federalist-style architecture um just on a massive massive scale so it has those floors it has those columns it has those things and so i guess the oval room and i'd never known this before i I didn't know it was a more common thing
1: well it's not common he got it from bullfinch
0: who designs the Capitol and the white house nice to do a quick google here 1792 and it opens in 1800 so these buildings are being built the exact same time so i i would i would guess that they have a and if bullfinch is of course of the Capitol, uh, i'd say that they, they have a hand in each other
1: so quick correction bullfinch so he did become like the basically the architect of dc right and he was utilized in several buildings and if i saw it correctly he helped with the reconstruction of the Capitol after it was burned by the British during the War of 1812. Okay. But I don't think it was his plans that were chosen for the Capitol. He definitely did the Massachusetts State Capitol.
2: Uh, AOC, architect of the Capitol, dot gov, lists Charles Bullfinch as the third architect of the Capitol. Appointed by Monroe, commissioned, etc. By Monroe. Uh, Bullfinch was hired by the commissioner of the public buildings.
1: So this is after... It's burned.
2: Yes. Okay. Um, I Maybe there's more than, it seems like there's more than one of them.
1: Yeah, so all this stuff is later on. But the Capitol goes up in the late 1700s. So that Capitol was designed by a different dude.
2: Right, but the Capitol building.
1: That we see today. Yeah. Yeah, but like when we talked about it in the context of this and how like those buildings were going up at the same time. Wasn't the case? Oh, oh, okay, okay. But in reality, there's no connection, and it comes like 20 years later. After Bullfinch's, all like Bullfinch's designing of the Capitol had nothing to do with.
2: Oh, okay, but he did right. Okay, I follow. So that the Capitol building is designed years later, or okay. his design for the Capitol is years later, and okay. So then McIntyre's application for the Capitol was for the 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 pre eighteen twelve the pre eighteen twelve capital. Right,
1: the original okay, capital. Okay. And that then went Bullfinch's
2: up. Capital is post eighteen twelve, which and at is that
1: ca- point he's already working in DC as like their Yeah yeah. Their and guy
2: McIntyre's
1: Dead. Yeah.
2: Okay. So just I'm just tracking. Want,
1: just wanna clear that up. Okay.
2: I think I probably knew all that, just didn't like I hadn't reasoned through any of that. So Bullfinch's Capital is post the eighteen twelve Obviously, because it's still there. (laughs) Right. So it couldn't have been pre-1812, because then it wouldn't be there, which would make make more sense.
1: So unfortunately, as we said, the Derby Mansion no longer stands. But what we do have is a lot of the renderings done by McIntyre. So I'm going to plug, and I'll remind our listeners of the books at the end, Um, There's not a lot of books written on McIntyre, but there's one in particular that contains a ton of primary sources. So his actual drawings, his sketches, things of that matter. It does include some things from Bullfinch as well. This book is called Mr. Samuel McIntyre, Carver, the Architect of Salem. It's by Fisk Kimball, and Kimball is kind of widely respected as one of the earliest and first Foremost experts on McIntyre. And he'll put this book out. He worked for the Peabody Essex Museum and he was commissioned by the Peabody Essex Museum to publish in 1940. So it's a little bit old, but it has pictures, photographs of pretty much anything carved by McIntyre. So you get to read about his career, but then you can reference the figures in the text towards the back. And when it comes to the Derby Mansion, they've got a lot.
0: Which is weird, because when we were doing the Derby Mansion, we found what, like two pictures?
1: Well, this is what happens when you actually do in-depth research, and you have a chance to go look at the library and the books.
0: No, but remember, we we went to the library to look about Derby and the mansion. Yeah, we
1: were there for like a half hour. Okay, well. We were there for a half hour, and we didn't look up anything about McIntyre. We didn't look
2: up about the architect,
0: so I guess that's where our our problem lay, is we looked into the family who owned the house, not the guy who built the house. Or designed the house.
1: So I love these illustrations in particular just because it shows how detailed everything was. And he had a hand in carving things for every single room of this house, whether it's the moldings, the the fireplaces, pretty much the doorways, archways, everything, inside and out. But if you want to look at some of these pieces here.
0: Okay, so that's the pillow. Okay.
1: Oh, I've seen that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, interesting. Okay, that door. Jesus.
1: Right. How about that fireplace with the little cherubs, cherubs on yeah. it?
0: The mantel piece.
1: The mantelpiece yeah. piece in particular, it's flanked by two columns, and along those columns winds this type of type of vine, and I don't think you see it on any other. No, I mean, could be wrong. But you don't really see it on any other mantelpieces by him. And so,
0: doorways, like the doorways list is, is seven, seven feet tall.
1: Oh, yeah, it would have been very grand. The embellishments in every room would have exceeded anything he had ever done before. Like, I feel like this was this was like his thesis work, right? A culmination of all of his work up until this point, and he is now building a home, a mansion for the richest man, arguably, in the United States at this point. Mm,
0: There are those urns all the way dotting the top. Brick, interesting. Ugh, why did you take this down, Junior? Okay, I'm going to have to put this down. Take this away from me.
1: Mm -hmm. I know, it's a good one. So obviously it's so sad that we lose Mm -hmm. this building, and it gets demolished in 1815, his relationship with the Derby family, and remember, you know, Elias Haskett, he dies in 1799, along with with his wife Elizabeth, who also dies that same year. However, Daniel McIntyre's relationship with the Derby family continues. Obviously, the family still has a lot of money, so they are, and a lot of children too. So they are building their own estates. Well,
0: not enough money because they tore down the house.
1: Well, take it up with those historical figures.
0: <laughs> or, or Thomas Jefferson.
1: Oh, yeah. I guess you could blame him.
0: I mean, he if gets you his, really wanted to. I mean, he gets his Monticello, uh, but he's the president. It doesn't matter. The trade embargoes don't stop him from getting all the money, but he also had other things going for him. We didn't have to pay all the people who worked on his estate. So, you know, that helps your economic value.
1: Oh, that's true. That's very true.
0: <laughs> anyway.
1: So back to the derbies. Their daughter Elizabeth Derby, who we mm-hmm. have mentioned before, uh, will use McIntyre's designs for Oak Hill over in Danvers. I believe it's on like the Danvers Peabody line, but Peabody didn't exist at that point. So, and she builds this grand estate. Some said that it was even more grand than her parents', which blows my mind that you could go even further than that. But this does. It's well, I mean, a couple she, years later. So she it got makes her sense. whole
0: dowry back, and. Part of her husband's estate, right? If I'm historically accurate in that memory.
1: I think that's before
0: She doesn't build it afterwards? No. Okay. I think mind. they
1: lived there together. Oh, okay, okay. But later embellishments would be added by Derby's son in 1813. Okay. So that might be where that money came okay. from.
0: <laughs> she got a little extra money and she's like calls up her old friend Derby and be like, Hey man, my husband's gone. I got this extra money. Gimme some give me some vines wrapping around these columns. Here.
1: <laughs> exactly which Jeffrey is referencing the nasty divorce between Elizabeth Derby and Nathaniel West, which we will probably devote a whole entire mini-episode on at some point in the future. But most important thing to know is that she will use McIntyre for this estate design. Her brother as well, Ezekiel Hersey Derby. Uh, this was Derby's third son. He commissioned Charles Bullfinch to build a mansion on Essex Street and McIntyre then executed all the carving and ornamentation. So again, them working in tandem. Which one's that? I don't know which one that one is. I, I struggled to find it. I don't know if it's I don't know if that one still stands I would or say, not.
0: I would say it doesn't. Just presumptive that there's if there was a bullfinch building on Essex Street, I think we'd know about it. I I feel like.
1: But again, another collaboration between Bullfinch and Derby. So this is really like the most prosperous and exciting point of his career is the late seventeen nineties to the early eighteen hundreds. In eighteen oh two, his friend and mentor, Reverend Bentley, again in architecture, he excels any person in our country.
2: Oh, who above bullfinch.
1: Uh-huh, and in his executions as a carpenter or cabinet maker. So again, he's well known. It's at this point that he starts working on some of the churches in town. He redoes the steeple for the old North Meeting House as well as the steeple on the South Church about a decade later.
0: We well, designed the whole South Church, um, which is no longer here because because fire. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, across from um Hamilton Hall, there's a little park You can go in. There's a little bench. You can sit down, relax. Uh, But there used to be a church there, which was the South Church, designed by Samuel McIntyre. But just as a significant amount of the city burns in 1914, about 10 years before that, that church does catch fire and burn down. And so now it is uh, left vacant.
1: It's kind of stunning that they left the lot open.
0: I was, I just, I don't know what I ever assumed was there, right? Like...
1: I just assumed that it was part of someone's property yeah. that they they like just gifted to the city right. to make because it's, it's a public space. Yeah. it's it's paid for and maintained by the Chestnut Street Neighborhood Association, if I recall correctly.
0: I believe that's what the the plaque says. It's weird when things you 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 sort of get the image of of things that that once dotted the landscape, like um, like the train station.
1: So that South Church was put up in eighteen o four. And again, that's like a stone's throw from his home.
0: And Hamilton Hall is right across the street.
1: Which goes up just a couple years later, 1806.
0: Yeah, so can you imagine the two of those buildings right there next to each other?
1: I cannot, one of my favorite parts of this story is the idea that McIntyre can walk out of his front door And and just look, and he would have looked right down Chestnut Street and would have seen Hamilton Hall, would have seen the old South church is mean, incredible.
0: He probably would not have been able to see the Derby mansion.
1: No, That's a little bit far away.
0: I think, I think the merchant or the, the Josh Ward house would have been in the way, but he would have been able to see that.
1: But yeah. can you imagine walking down the streets?
0: He just takes a right at his front or left. I don't know which side it was, was it on his house.
1: So I think he would have walked out on. So that's some, that's summer street yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. So like he probably would have walked out right there. Yeah. And just looked.
0: And there's Hamilton Hall and then the steeple of the church that he designed. Yeah.
1: It's incredible to see your life's work surround you. Talk about larger than life, you know? So I think we can say that by the early 1800s, McIntyre was a bit of a local celebrity.
0: If, if if you're courting with the likes of of the people who he did, absolutely.
1: Uh-huh. In 1802, around this time, he is asked to complete several gates for the Salem Common, one of which still stands today. It does not look anything like it used to. And if you see the original photographs, even, from, even in this book that I'm holding on to right now, it is incredible what used to stand there. And you know, I think it's called the Washington Arch, the big white one. Believe it's on the west side of. They they just redid that, that whole
0: thing. Uh, there there was a push by the the uh, conservation committee, um, and so they just relayed new brick. They redid the arch um, and the motif of George Washington, which hangs above it. Um, and do not quote me on this. I believe is a replica.
1: Yeah, no, it is hundred percent okay, a replica. The, the real w- one is in the PEM. The
0: original is in the PEM, which of course is carved by. Mr. Samuel McIntyre.
1: You'll find that a lot of the original pieces are no longer attached to these houses,
0: with 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 good reason, right? Uh, it, I mean,
1: conservation uh, purposes.
0: Other than the fact that it's wood, who knows what could happen, right? Like like it it, it could just be torn down in a storm. A tree could come down. I mean, whether the building burns down, heaven forbid. But. It's wood, like that. that's his primary, yeah. uh, he's not like a stone carver.
2: Oh,
0: is that the original Washington Arch? Uh-huh. That's ridiculous.
2: Isn't
1: it gorgeous?
0: Why don't we, uh, just do it, just rebuild it. Why, why did they rebuild it shoddier?
1: Right, it doesn't look this magnificent It's half that size,
0: because they, they just finished the, the reconstruction of it.
1: I feel like it doesn't have those curly flanking things either.
0: No, no.
1: It's very plain. Yeah. It is so plain. There, we, where's our modern-day McIntyre? The the old renderings are incredible compared to what we see there today. The common, I would love. We should do a whole history on the common. That'd be and, fun. And
0: the tunnels underground?
1: And the tunnels under. Yes. So it's at this point in the research that I realized, so we're, we're in the early 1800s, that I have been literally stopping in front of one of his buildings and pointing at it. And didn't even know. On your tour? Yeah. The 1805 Customs House. Oh, Oh. On Central Street. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Had no idea. I should have known. There's a big eagle on the front. Mm -hmm. I should have known.
2: The
0: Customs House?
1: Yes, well, that's... (laughs) The long S. And you're just going to confuse our listeners. It's okay. It looks like an F, but it is actually an S. But... Remember, during the Great Age of Sail, the South River would have came up to about Front Street Mm because that was the waterfront. And the Customs House built right there in 1805, a very simple brick structure, but it has a, you know, the overarching entryway with the columns and it has one of Samuel McIntyre's eagles.
0: Mm -hmm. That eagle, of course, is a replica because the original is in the Peabody Essex Museum. Along with a significant amount of other uh his works. Did you see the articles on the two thousand eight, two thousand seven. Two thousand seven exhibit kept popping up? The
1: two hundred and fifty um, <laughs> anniversary. I know. It's very sad. I was gonna save that to the end. Yeah. When but it comes I, to resources. I, I
0: kept bumping into those articles or things that reference that or like over and over and over again. And I was just like, Man, and I was just like, I would have God, and it, there's still some artifacts of his in the museum today, and especially their new exhibit.
1: Yeah, I want to go back in now so I can, like, see some of the more, that now that I know what I'm looking for. The,
0: the seal. Go, go back to the picture of the arch. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the medallion. Yeah, 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 yeah. The,
1: the Washington medallion, that's where it's at.
0: No, 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 the seal of Massachusetts. Oh. Yeah, that whole thing with the, the, with the indigenous person.
1: Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes.
0: That in the PEM was carved by McIntyre as well. And I remember, like, we came where he so it It's big. You come around the wall. And I was just like, just the more you learn, right? Like, I didn't. I know he'd done the Eagles. And I know he'd done the Washington. And I was like, okay, cool, and the chair. And then I was like, shit, that's the seal of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts carved by that guy. And it was just like. I and st-
1: preserved, you know, 200 years later. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah.
0: When people are like, oh, should I go to the Peabody Essex Museum?
1: Like, Yeah. You should, <laughs> for a multitude of uh, reasons.
0: Is, is, it, Matt, is, is it worth it? I don't know. You
1: anyway. might want to check it out. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was a quite a reflective moment for me, where I was like, damn, I've been talking about the customs house. I used that spot to kind of discuss Salem's great age of sale and how if you were to look out off to your right, or if you're looking at the customs house to your left, you would be looking right at the old South River. You could see the docks. You could see the ships. You could smell the air. but that, you, probably you
0: probably wouldn't have wanted to smell the air. You
1: probably wouldn't have you know, smelled just, bad. just going to throw that out there. It probably would have smelled bad.
0: Yeah, like real bad.
1: But that was carved by McIntyre. So if you've ever taken my tour and you've stopped in front of the customs house with me, I'm sorry. But you did see a bit of McIntyre mm-hmm. and you probably didn't even know it.
0: See a little bit of McIntyre all around the city.
1: So to kind of round this out, McIntyre... Completed more than 50 public and private buildings here in Salem. And from what I can tell, he was a very humble guy. You know, he didn't charge an exorbitant amount. He was very modest. He didn't live in a lavish home.
0: Like, given the um, his employers or his... Yeah. Who, who he was contracting for. His
1: patrons or customers. Yeah, yeah,
0: customers. That's a better word. Thank you. He should have been living... He's a house on Chestnut Street, you know. Built, I mean, of it was his just own. off of it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> like built of his own, is like a, a grand.
1: No, if anything, it seems like his house was just for utility. You know he he put up a a somewhat small structure with the shop on the back. And talk about working from home, he did it long before it was a thing. But it's just so interesting that he walked these streets at such a monumental time, and not only did he walk them, but he had an impact on them. He still does. That's one thing that strikes me so much is this idea that he, what he was born into in 1757, when he dies in 1811, he is going to leave a very different Salem. Well, we've gone... And it's not just because of him, obviously. Like, we've gone like through we've a gone lot
0: through of... through the Great Age, not through through the Great Age of Sale, but, like...
1: He left it in the peak of it.
0: Yeah. Already a little bit on the downturn. I mean, just, just before the War of 1812, so he didn't get to see that. Um, but... Yeah, maybe just that he probably didn't realize it was a decline. No,
1: I don't think anyone knew that it was going to be hindsight, a decline. Hindsight. Hindsight. We can, we we can tell, s- Yeah.
0: But they probably didn't know. Do, do you want to say what his friend William Bentley said?
1: Yes, I would.
0: Okay. I thought you might. I, I kept getting it died suddenly. Do we have any?
1: So I was very, I was really hoping to find out how he died. Yeah. And the best understanding we have is through... William Bentley's diary.
0: So again, this is Reverend William Bentley, a longtime friend of Samuel McIntyre.
1: On the day of Samuel's death, he wrote, This day Salem is deprived of one of the most ingenious men it had in it. He was descended of a family of carpenters who had no claims on public favor and was educated at a branch of that business. By attention he soon gained a superiority to all of his occupation, and the present courthouse, the North and South meeting houses, and indeed all the improvements of Salem for nearly 30 years past have been under his eye. In sculpture, he had no rival in New England, and I possess some specimens which I should not scruple to compare with any I ever saw. Like, hmm, Bentley, what happened to those specimens you got? Probably Worth in the a, PEM. I was probably in the PEM. <laughs> to the best of my abilities, I encouraged him in this branch. In music, he had a good taste, and though not presuming to be an original composer, he was among our best judges and most able performers. All the instruments we use, he could understand and was the best person to be employed in correcting any defects or repairing them. He had a fine person, a majestic appearance, calm countenance, great self-command, and amiable temper. He was welcome, but never intruded. He had complained of some obstruction in his chest, but when he died, it was unexpectedly. The late increase of workmen in wood has been from the demand for exportation, And this has added nothing to the character and reputation of the workman, so that upon the death of Mr. McIntyre, no man is left to be consulted upon a new plan of execution beyond his bare practice.
0: So, So that last bit there I had to read like eight times. But basically what he's saying is that he is gone and there are no workmen in the city who can even be consulted to continue his practice. You're like, not that there's no one left to do it, but like, like these men are here to do but
1: no one can even compare,
0: compared to the skill that he had, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: It's a moving tribute. Yeah. And this is written, like, like we said in Bentley's diary. This is just his own personal, you know, records.
0: I love these diaries. We should, I mean, I know it's like diary, diarying, diarying, journaling, journaling. <laughs> there we go. That's a better word. Uh, is, like, a, a, a good thing. And um, I know I don't do it. I guess we, we Instagram journal or You whatever.
1: mean, like, a good thing, like, for mental health? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but it's it's fantastic to see these people, a like, considerable amount of them did keep private journals. This is going back from, like, like Paris and and, and, and yeah. Hale to, like, even a century and a half later. These men are still keeping these journals, which then gives us these... Um,
1: these little glimpses into yeah, the, the yeah. time in history. Yeah. No, it's a fabulous resource. And we're lucky to have Bentleys because not only was he a principal person in town being a pastor or being a reverend um, at one of the main churches, but like he actually knew McIntyre. He was friends with mm-hmm. McIntyre. So it really gives us a um, a personal look at him as a as an individual.
0: As a, per- a personal look as him as a person?
1: Yeah, I, w- I was trying to avoid that. I know.
0: <laughs> I saw it. 54 years old.
1: Which is crazy and so sad. I mean, who, what would he have continued to do had he lived a couple more decades? You know, how much would his carving skill grown? What else would he be producing?
0: The world will never know.
1: His father was about the same age when he died. So I think, you know, long. A
0: genial heart failure. Yeah. Something, something yeah, along those yeah. lines
1: probably died of a heart attack. We're trying to retro diagnose as non doctors, but
0: yeah, let's lay, right. <laughs> Although maybe if we went and found his remnants, you could. I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> and do an autopsy right here in the living room. We'll do it on air.
0: Yeah, let's let's go for it. The fantastic idea.
1: Meanwhile, the um...
0: Chief Miller paid no attention.
1: Yeah, the police show up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys,
2: for science
0: for re- for history.
1: Now I want someone to Photoshop us digging up a body no, in old burying do point. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna make it. We're like, oh, tour guys are digging up bodies in the burying ground. got a bad enough reputation as don't it is. Don't do that. It's funny. On my on my tour, I talk about the guy who who was caught grave robbing. What was it, 2017, sixteen something like that, relatively oh. recently. Um But it's for those of you who don't know, have a quick Google, uh, but it's, it's on like a Saturday in October or something. No, it's, it's, and I, and I always make the joke. I'm like, I don't know why he did it when he did it. Um, I think there's mental health issues, but if you'd just done it on like a Tuesday afternoon in May with a road cone, a clipboard,
1: no one would have ever known. No
0: one would have stopped you. This is like, like, six seven years ago so before charter Street had been redone everything else and you just plop that thing down you just go to town you get like little official see
1: do you know how far he made it um i don't think
0: and it's been a while i i say, i haven't talked about it in a while um i'm fairly certain it was the new Silsby stone right um and what happens and if i'm screwing this story up this is mostly from memory. I, I leave out most of the details because I don't have time. Um, with a new stone, you you put the new stone upright and you put the old stone horizontal a few inches into the ground. And so he turns up, I think with a shovel and goes to town, right? So he's, But he keeps hitting rock and then he leaves and comes back with a pickaxe. And, oh and in the interim... I believe the police had been called. And so I don't know if they get there after him or if they were waiting there for him. Uh, but that's pretty much the, the, the extent of it. And I'd I have to double check. So he
1: was like, he was on a mission.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd have to double check some of those details. But like recalling from memory, I think that's a a, a vaguely accurate description.
1: That's great. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. I mean, not great for i mean, so the dead. Yeah.
0: It, it depends. Again, I, I, I tend not. to. I don't know why I started leaving that out of my tour. It's a f- wonderful little, I was like, I used to say, um, I, I I'm oh, what I used to, I'm sure you've all had like a wonderful time in Salem. Um, but I'm going to have to, to, to ensure that you were disappointed just as I am, as none of us have gotten to bear witness to a grave robbing. <laughs>
1: It's unfortunate. It would make for a great story. Exactly. Imagine if you're like given a tour and you turn around and you see someone digging. There are people
0: out there who saw that. There's only a handful of them. Maybe 20, 30 people. I don't know. But there are people who have visited Salem and witnessed a grave robbing.
1: Or an attempted at least. Attempted grave robbing. That's great. We need to find some. If you were around Charter Street when this guy was trying to dig up this grave back in the Twenty tens.
0: Twenty seventeen, something along those lines.
1: Please reach yeah. out with your story.
0: Okay. So Samuel McIntyre.
1: Literally back um, Died
0: aged fifty-four. Da, da, da. Suddenly. Massive heart attack. Healed over.
1: Just guessing here.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't actually know. Dead as a doornail. Oh, wait. Uh
1: Oh. I'm That's try- kind of funny because, like, he made doors. <laughs> Did so, he make like, nails? well, I mean, no, oh, I not know. He was an iron worker.
0: He was a house worker, a housewright. He wasn't an ironwright.
1: Yeah, ironwright. That doesn't. That's not right. it. That's not it. <laughs> Blacksmith. Sure,
0: he was the Marleys. Sorry, McIntyre had been dead these ten years.
1: <laughs> so McIntyre dies in in eighteen eleven at the age of fifty four. And before we jump into his legacy, I did want to reflect a little bit about what was found in his home after the fact. So his wife will live on another 20 years, Mm -hmm. but there was an inventory taken of the house and the shop shortly thereafter. And it kind of gives us a glimpse into, you know, his daily habits, um, his hobbies and whatnot.
0: Like wood carving?
1: Well, yeah, he had his whole shop. But what I find particularly fascinating is on the third floor of his house, I think it was the third floor, there was like a personal study. But I don't even know if you could call it a study because it was more of like a recreation room, inspiration room. He had a set of encyclopedias, uh, several volumes of architecture. Dictionary of Arts and Sciences, which, of course, you know, we said he is an impeccable reader. Mm-hmm. A book of sculpture, French architecture, as well as a version of the New Testament. Remember, he was quite religious.
0: Is it King James?
1: Probably not. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Ten large prints.
0: Does it say of what?
1: Nope, just prints. Twelve prints of the seasons.
0: Well, so three each? Maybe. Was it like a...
2: Okay. It,
1: it doesn't yeah, specify. Yeah. Two mahogany traveling desks, two large plaster of paris figures, which was like those carved figurines.
2: Like 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 the
0: little like wooden ones we get for like
1: Like more like the big ones.
0: Okay. I sorry, I thought you meant like the You know the one like like, like the form, the, like the wooden ones where like this the little wooden sculpture then you like move it to like where the person would be standing. Oh. If if that's what it meant?
1: No, I think they're, like, full-blown sculptures. Okay, okay. Just, like, you know. Yeah. Very reminiscent of, like, the Greco-Roman revival style, which inspired his mm-hmm. his works. Uh, here we go. One elegant barrel organ, six feet high, made with ten barrels.
0: Sorry, come again?
1: A six-foot high.
0: Barrel organ made barrel. with ten barrels. So uh-huh. that's, like, the organ, does that mean it has, like, ten pipes?
1: I believe so. Okay. I'm also not an Oregon specialist. One large head of Washington. No surprise there. I
2: I
0: assume that's like a carved. Yeah,
1: not literally Washington's head. Well, it
0: says plaster cast of one thing (laughs) and then the head of a man, another thing. I'm just saying.
1: Can you. No, they would never have made. (laughs) Plaster cast. Um, remember, it's always the idealized version of the subject.
0: I don't know if that's an idealized version of what Samuel McIntyre looks like. Someone, he's getting a little cheap on that. I know you yeah, think he's that's Yeah, but va- that's what
1: they—that's what they valued: <laughs> the round face, the long, the long face. I feel like that's what they—they they looked for back then. He's, it got was, very, I- he's got a very large
0: spenulum. S- spen spen- spenulum?
1: Is that the upper lip area?
0: Uh, that's that the, the, the if bit
1: you're pointing to your beard, it, your it's mustache. Under, it's underneath okay. the mustache. Okay. The, Between the nose and the mouth. Yeah, that okay. little
0: bump is called something.
1: You're saying McIntyre had a large one of those. Right? Oh, a little bit. A little bit of a longer nose.
0: I think it's Spenulum. Someone's listening and they know exactly what I'm talking about. And they're like,
1: shut up! Uh, and two figures of Hercules, both <laughs> two feet high. So he was, as we said, he was getting into more of like sculpting, like mm-hmm. fine art mm-hmm. sculpture, by the end of his carving career, and one has to wonder how much he would have continued that. And we got into
0: metal and would have carved other thing. Who knows? It would have been pretty cool.
1: I feel like he would have stuck with wood, but he Maybe. would have done. But he got into
0: some plaster stuff. So, so I I'm wondering, uh, which is just what I was trying to Google there real quick. What tool? I mean, he used chisels and things along those lines. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But they were probably just I. I feel like that's one of the things that sort of stands out as very important to us and was probably very much not important to them.
1: 300 chisels. See? 300. (laughs) So he would have had to have a bunch of different specific ones to work with the wood in different ways. And they were probably
0: just given away or sold. They were
1: sold. So a lot of this stuff was advertised in the Salem Gazette shortly after his death. And a lot of it was sell. Which is crazy to think about because also listed here are eight medallions of Washington. So like remember those those like flat reliefs of Washington's face, similar to the one that sits on the archway so, so in the common.
0: Your hands are going like two or three inches. Are
1: they much bigger? I, I think you're
0: thinking a foot or two.
1: Okay, well same. Yeah regardless yeah, yeah. of the size. So Oh, he had a ton of stuff left over in a shop. Eight, so of those medallions. Why twenty large planes? Um, pl- four planes are. I'm not sure which. What planes? No, no,
0: it would have been. Do, do you know what a plane is? Uh. Uh-uh. Um. So that's it, so that this spits the handle. That's the grip, and there's a, a blade that's at an angle like this. Oh, it's put, for car. Oh, and you, you push it across, and you can adjust the height of. So it's blade. like
1: shaving the wood. Yeah.
0: So you can either shave like a very 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 I've seen you can shave like a like a less than paper thin or you can shave an inch. I mean, maybe not an inch. That's a big exaggeration.
1: So in his shop he left 20 large planes yep. and then an additional 46 molding planes. Molding planes. So it would have That's been That's
0: probably for molding.
1: Well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yes, it was for molding. Thank you. Thank you. All becomes clear.
1: Two grindstones. Okay. Two axes, or sorry, four axes, seven saws, four capitals, which were like the top of columns, like, you know, the embellished top of columns. So, like, he would have just had some pieces. Uh, Obviously, he was in the midst of work when he died. I
0: thought you said this was in his third floor.
1: Oh, no, this is... Sorry. I jumped out of the third floor. Okay. This is not all in his third... This is in a shop. Okay. I apologize. You
0: you said... And I was like, this is... He had a shop, but it must have been...
1: So, like, the shop was located at the back of the house. Like, there was a little hallway to get to the shop. And... On his third floor, I think it's the third third or second floor, he had like this private sanctuary where he had the organ and yeah, he had yeah, the yeah. instruments and he had the books on architecture and some uh, drafting tables and things of that, that matter. So probably gained a lot of inspiration, did a lot of drawing in that space. But no, the shop itself had the saws and the other tools and tools. whatnot.
0: Any other prominent... <laughs>
1: A lot of carved leaves, just A lot like of carved leaves, even leaves around. Can you imagine
0: probably looked like 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 Rivendell in his shop, oh Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, right.
1: Oh, and three swords. Oh, I thought that was kind of cool. Like you know, just casual swords. I mean, back then though, that's kind of standard. I yeah, feel like maybe know? keep but it I, over the mantle.
0: I wonder if it was cause it probably so it, it's interesting. Is it, something like like that. Is, is twofold. I'm sure it is both uh, for practical uses, just the early 1800s, right? You're still carrying swords around sometimes. Um, who knows? You might have to duel someone in an alleyway. Um Or, nice. or perhaps uh, reference material, right? If you're carving uh, a figure of something or ah. of someone, you know, is there a sword?
1: There's swords in, I feel like he has carved swords before. Is there Maybe a not
0: sword in
1: the-, the seal? In the seal, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. there we go, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So maybe because he there, there's the inspiration, the reference point. So he's using the sword. That's pretty neat
1: for the Massachusetts, yeah, 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 state seal. Yes,
0: not That's so. Sh- I not, didn't not Schubert the the actual seal.
1: Um, now you have to explain <laughs> to people we what have, that is. We have
0: explained Schubert if they've listened. They've, they've I don't
1: listened. think we have. I
0: think we did. Google Schubert Schubert the seal.
1: Made a big splash over in Beverly. Yeah.
0: Seal, like actual, like a Sahaba seal, like the little. Like, the little...
1: Off, off, off. that's not right. Like
0: what? Do it again? Nope.
1: Sorry. <laughs> that better stay in there. I don't want it to. <laughs> it's
0: got to stay. I'm sorry.
1: Can you do it for me? No, I don't
0: know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> Please make a seal noise. <laughs> not a chance. This is way better.
0: Okay. Okay. We got it back, back to McIntyre. Because we're from Massachusetts, that's how you guys say it, by the way. McIntyre? McIntyre. McIntyre. It's, it's, uh, you got got a house down on, on McIntyre Street.
1: So we covered his early life. We traced his architectural career. We covered his death. Let's talk about his legacy, because this is interesting. We spoke in our previous episode on Theories of the Witch Trials how historians and other scholars honed in on this time in history and tried to figure out like why right they're writing about it they're researching it they're drawing attention to it in a way you see a similar thing done with McIntyre so after he dies of course his pieces don't you know it's not like people just forget about him because you walk down the street and you see McIntyre buildings but you see a growth in his reputation towards the end of the 1800s. So he dies in 1811, but towards the end of the 19th century, we're entering an era where conservation becomes kind of a big thing.
0: Well, I think also we we are entering, and I'm just going to ask everyone uh, to cast your minds back to 11th grade history. Right, the U.S. history, whatever. I, th- I think it's eleventh grade, mm-hmm. uh, and the Industrial Revolution, the invention of or the uh, uh, mass-produced items. Uh huh. So you can get you can get the fancy chairs for yourself uh, because it has gone from a single chair ah. that was entirely carved by Samuel McIntyre and a set of six of them that was owned by the richest man in the country to these. Uh, uh, things are able to be carved and mass produced. And so therefore these things become and within the within a radically short amount of time, Mm -hmm. 30, 40 years. Um, but his legacy, so you're like, you still have these these things. And you're like, that is not a and even today, right? Like I can buy a print. You know, I I look around my room here. Most of these are prints. That's an original uh, over the top. That is, you know, uh price point wise. Uh But I have 40 prints and one original, you know, so when you have that opportunity to get that original piece, that means that much more.
1: It's reaching a larger audience, so more eyes are upon it. Yeah. Even if it is a replica, more people are talking about it. It's more coveted. And two other things to add on top of that, we're coming up on the Bicentennial Mm -hmm. of, is it Bicentennial? Is that? Yeah. Is that right? the bicentennial of the nation. So around 1876...
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say Salem after he dies, but also
1: yes. Oh, no, just the, the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see...
0: No, centennial.
1: Sorry, centennial. That, I knew that was wrong. Well, you
0: were saying bicentennial, and I was thinking 1826, so I was just agreeing yeah, yeah, with you. yeah, sorry. The no. centennial. So
1: we're coming up on the centennial of the country, 1876. You see a, a wave of patriotism, and that's when colonial revival really starts coming in so we talked about how we don't like you know architecture is complicated because it has all these different time periods mm-hmm. that you have to work through and each of those periods you can pick out different characteristics on the buildings on the items the goods the the material culture
2: I was talking
0: to someone once who is more knowledgeable in architecture than than I am uh-huh. and he's always like I love walking down the street and I He's like, it's like time moves around me because you look at one building and you see the columns, and the windows and you walk past. And if you're up to it on that idea, you know that that is 1815 and then that's 1847, but the one past it was 1726 uh-huh. and you can just, the, the design, I was like, God.
1: That's so cool. That's, man. <sighs> well, cause buildings and, and their details Can show so much about when they were made, who produced them, and the culture of that time period. What people wanted. And during this time of colonial revival, as you can imagine, based on the name, they are hearkening back to this old, more traditional...
0: Like a revival of colonial ideas.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And Salem itself kind of took center stage because we were home to probably one of the largest concentrations of this architecture. Salem buildings were known for, quote, peculiar dignity, simplicity, and refinement.
0: I think we still have a peculiar dignity today.
1: I think so, too.
0: In the people more than in the buildings.
1: So not only (laughs) do—I would agree with that—but not only are we seeing the centennial— But architecture as a profession is developing as well. And these architects that are learning, going to school for it, training, they are now referencing Samuel McIntyre's works. In the late 1800s, you'll also see architects coming to Salem to learn, to train. There's one instance of an MIT professor In 1895 and 96, he brought his architecture students to Salem in the summertime to study the homes and the buildings here.
0: That's pretty awesome.
1: They were called sketching expeditions. So this is all setting the scene for McIntyre's ascend to, I don't know if I want to call it international fame, because he may have had that already, but he cements himself, or he doesn't, People cement him as like a cornerstone of early Federalist architecture. He's the guy. He is the person that people are going back to and studying.
0: A legacy of American architecture.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And in fact, the first publication to feature Salem architecture, because at this point, people have more money. As you said, more folks are able to consume these goods you start to see catalogs and magazines. The first publication to feature any Salem architecture will come in 1878 in a magazine called New England Interiors by Arthur Little. This will be the first of many, and it includes drawings um, of the Purse Nichols House. Remember, this is also the time where historic preservation is becoming more and more a thing. Like, we're right on the heels of it. Ish. Ish. We're on the heels of it.
0: Given what they take down even the past 50 years. But, yeah, sure. No,
1: but the preservation movement. Yeah. When museums, house museums, like, this is all early 1900s, and it was a big thing. The museum field actually becoming a professional field in itself. So not only do we have these architects that are learning from McIntyre's work, but you have authors that are writing about his work. You have collectors that are seeking out his work. You have antique dealers doing the same thing. You have museum curators as well.
0: Furniture's always been a weird thing.
1: But again, all going back to this creation Of the colonial revival style. So with all of this happening, you also see the dissembling of these buildings. So unfortunately, as much as we have McIntyre around us today, if you walk through Salem, or if you go into these old homes, we're missing a ton of it. A lot of it's gone. Some just ripped out. I read some old aristocratic families say they're living on Chestnut Street. They live in maybe not even a house done by McIntyre, but they have a chimney piece, a mantle done by McIntyre. They will take that with them well, when they they move away.
0: So, like, I I don't I have an apartment as as we live in, uh, but gorgeous uh, mantelpieces. These I I assume the house built in late eighteen hundreds. I assume they're hand carved. Um, even if they are you know sort of more industrial era carvings they are gorgeous and like a state like i know that i'm not going to live here forever right but i'm always like when i leave i can't take that
1: nope you're, you just got to hope that the next house you're in has, has something f- just as good or better
0: right you can sometimes find these things on, like, Facebook Marketplace and, oh, like, yeah. eBay and stuff. And I've always wondered, like, like there are probably McIntyre. You probably lose track. Of, like, right? You, you see these things on, like, um, do you ever watch uh, collectibles? Um, Antique
1: Roadshow? Yeah yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, this has just been in my family for 150 years. And well, we thought we'd cure And they're like, oh, my gosh. This is uh whatever it is. Did
1: you know that McIntyre was featured on Antique Roadshow? I did not. I'm saving that for the last as, little kernel as, of info. As
0: I say that, I'm like that. My me. mouth
1: literally dropped when I but, but like why why would he be on there? Like at this point, so we're in the early 1900s, people are scrounging to get his stuff. Mm-hmm. They're going nuts. There are thieves out there that are like I was looking at some photographs of buildings on Chestnut Street. and then I went and found the actual building on Google Street View. And the urns that are on top of the fencing, they're no longer there. Obviously. Obviously. Because if they were, someone would probably have taken them. Which, I mean, most people don't know to do that. But if you know what you're looking at, like if you could get your hands on an actual carved piece done by McIntyre, you're going to take it.
0: I mean, I, 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 I've I, got thievy hands on occasion. Yes,
1: you do. So I would be very worried <laughs> that you would take I a would, piece I of one of know. these
2: locations.
1: No. But yeah, so this is also when we see something called Salem rooms. So this is more towards like the 1920s, and as museums are really popping up all over the place and acquiring huge collections, you have full blown Salem I'd, rooms. I'd,
0: I'd heard. I knew. I oh my gosh, this has totally slipped my. My historical lexicon for probably like three. Let's
1: or four. bring it back. Let's bring it back.
0: Oh, I used to talk about. So when we talk today, like people are fascinated by Salem, it's not a new thing, and and when you have museums across the countries, not quite as country, but you know, and and there are exhibits all about this damn place, but it's not all about the witch trials.
1: It's not about the place. It's about the architecture, right? The carving and
0: the stuff. And these these narratives start to feed into each other, and this reputation that Salem already sort of had, like you kind of already know, and then it's like, oh, there's this whole other stuff, which is like the cool thing, because like witches are cool today, right? Mm-hmm. But architecture is, the, I, I don't want to say like a, I don't want to be like classist about it, but
1: it's fine art, right? It's it's considered fine art, yeah, and like furniture making, cabinet making, like all this stuff that they were doing. Mm-hmm. As we look back, we would call it fine art.
0: So Salem, we get back this layered narrative of history, and people are always, not always, but like throughout the 400 years, for these different reasons throughout time, you're like, oh my gosh, it's a Salem exhibit, and it has this architecture, and this history, and these carvings, and the Revolutionary War, and and then there's also the Daniel Lowe Company catalog, late 1800s. So you've got a Salem exhibit with Salem architecture, and you're getting the catalog in the mail with the witch spoons, and it's like this whole...
1: Well, it's how you understand Salem as a whole. Yeah. Exactly. It's so weird to think about the fact that people over in, gosh, even the Midwest, like Chicago, um, St. Louis, New York, Philadelphia. (laughs) No, I don't think, I mean, the DIA, the Detroit Institute of Arts, fabulous, but I don't know. I mean, again, I never cared for the furniture. I never cared for the, you know, stuff Like, doorways and archway, Like, I just had no desire. And now, my perspective has totally changed. You've gone down a McIntyre rabbit hole. But can you imagine being in the Midwest during this time and going into one of these big art museums and being able to step into a home, or not a home, but a room from New England and from this specific period in history? Like, that's fascinating to me.
0: So... Oh my gosh, I just like my heart broke a little. I just realized I'm going to make some stuff up here, so bear with me. You're familiar with westward expansion. Yeah. Right? And so people took with them what they could pack into a wagon. So if you pack up what you can, and sometimes that's going to be your most valuable things
1: mm-hmm.
0: or is the things you want to take with you, which may not always be the most useful things.
1: Are you suggesting that people probably packed up McIntyre stuff and
0: and just had to ditch it in the middle of Oklahoma?
1: Oh God, I you hope not.
0: Unload a wagon, you can't take a big giant wooden fireplace? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. you sometimes you just had to leave whole caravans, right? You just had to leave shit. It got attacked, it got burned, it got destroyed. It got snowed in. It, it, it fell in the river and it's gone.
1: Yeah
0: that, tons of and they I I don't know. But like I'm piecing together like the historical time frame.
1: What's that? Um, the the video game, Oregon Trail.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You lost your mantle.
0: Yeah, a hundred <laughs> like and child. <laughs> uh, but like, like the the things. Oh, oh. As you say, there there are these museums. As as, as we talk about that, there's probably like the, the preservation is significant, but the losses also.
1: A lot was saved. Yeah. And it, and, It's both a good and bad thing. So it's sad that so many of these carvings were ripped out of these homes. And I say ripped out, that sounds so dramatic. But at the same time, they were preserved. They are still being preserved in places like the Peabody Essex Museum, Philadelphia, Boston, New York. All of these major institutions have the means Mm -hmm. to make sure these things survive for another 200 years. So it's good and bad. But this is just going to feed into his reputation. This is also going to feed into Salem's reputation, as you were saying. You know, it's just going to put Salem out there even more than we already are. You know, he was well known. Every architecture book that you pull out, you probably going to find him. Wood carving, probably going to find him.
0: If, if there are any architects or wood carvers,
1: please write into us. But
0: like, do you know about Mac? were you taught about McIntyre? Like, do you know about, what does he have, is there like a, like a technique or like, you know what I mean?
1: Is McIntyre style, like, is that your, is that verbiage that is used? It's interesting. Please write in hello at SalemThePodcast.com. Please
0: please and thank you.
1: Put McIntyre in the subject line just so it makes it easy for us to find.
0: What do we got? What do we got? There's nothing left. He's dead. He's gone. The chair sells for $666,000. 664.
1: So I did want to mention two books in particular. The first one, which I hope this one's a little cheaper than the newest one. This one is called Mr. Samuel McIntyre Carver, The Architect of Salem. And it was published in 1940 by the Essex Institute, which of course we now know as the Peabody Essex Museum, by Fisk Kimball. And he was pretty much the and still is, regarded as one of the experts on McIntyre and his life, and in particular, his architectural career. So this book, although it's old, you know, came out in 1940, it has an exorbitant amount of useful images. So whether it's the town of Salem, the map from 1820, or pretty much any rendering he did is included in this book. And he compiled it in a way where as you read about his life and his career, you can then go reference back and look at actual representations of his work, like the Derby House, like the Summer House.
0: Which is so weird that it's confined to, it should be easier to find, I I would have thought. Who's that again?
1: So this was by Fisk Kimball, and it still holds up. I could look at these photographs and drawings for days. And it also has a lot of excerpts from Reverend Bentley as well. Um, The Salem Gazette after his death, things of that nature. So I would like to think it's a little cheaper than the next one that I'm going to mention. But this one, definitely worth it. Because architecture is obviously a visual thing. You know, it's, it's a visual art. It's hard to talk about these things but hopefully we did it well enough that people can understand. And of course you have the internet so you can look up these buildings. Are you looking up the book?
0: Well, there's an old copy for $200. Used used 85. Really?
1: They're not mass produced. It's just not a super popular thing.
0: 84 375. Um
1: All right, so Jeffrey's looking up some price points on this book. Not as cheap as I thought, but I'm sure, especially if you're in Massachusetts, they should have a copy at your local library.
0: Probably between like $60 and and, and $90, if if you're curious. If you're an architect aficionado, uh, you can spend what looks like to be upwards of like $400. On
1: like a nice copy? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Original?
0: Nope. Nope. This one looks like it's an eight, oh, the 400, one of 675 limited edition copies. But anyway, sorry, continue.
1: So the other book I want to plug is the 2007 Samuel McIntyre Carving an American Style. And this was published by the Peabody Essex Museum once again and written by Dean Leahy Kynan. So he's pretty much like the guy at the Peabody Essex Museum, especially when it comes to McIntyre and just decorative arts in general. He just retired last year after 43 years at the PEM and get this this guy this this life that this dude lived so he puts out this book that's all about McIntyre it's got and it's it's more concentrated on his carving a lot about his eagles his furniture while he was working on this book he lived at the purse Nichols house because there used to have to be a caretaker of some sort so the PEM Would have one of the employees, the families, living in the historic property. So he actually got to live at the Purse Nichols House, one of McIntyre's first major commissions, the first major commission, while he is working on this book. Can you imagine?
0: So my immediate, who's what happens now? Does someone live there?
1: No, I don't think. I think he might have been the last one, but I could be wrong. So who? I know. I was like, how do I sign up for that job?
0: Would would do all the houses have caretakers?
1: Not all of them, but for a while they did. I don't know if they do can still.
0: Can we do that? Can can we go? Can I go live? Can I go sleep in Captain White's room?
1: Guess where he lived before the Purse Nichols house?
0: Gardner Pingree
2: house.
1: Nope.
0: Oh, um, I don't know.
1: Another pen property. Everyone's favorite.
0: I mean, m- mine's the Gardner Pingree house.
1: Line to get a picture. The witch house. No, they don't own. No, they don't own that. Oh the ropes man
0: oh, Jesus oh, <laughs> brain fell. He lived in the rope
1: how do you yep he not raised his children in the ropes mansion. Can you imagine? Do you think
0: any of them caught fire?
1: No, but he he recounts the fire that happened oh he was living there i don't know if he was living there at the time but he saw the smoke he saw the like the commotion and he immediately drove to the ropes mansion and so jeffrey's referencing the fire i think it's in 2008 so yeah 2008 2009 so he wasn't living there during the time he was at the purse nichols house but he went to the ropes mansion he ran in along with several other museum Workers and firefighters, as they were trying to save roughly three thousand artifacts, objects from this building that was now on fire. How crazy is that?
0: Why? Why don't we do this? And it not burning down. Why don't they have caretaker? It's just got to be budget, right? Like it's got to come down to budget. You save three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Now
1: you can just put ca- like cameras up, yeah. right? Like they've got security systems it's a small town if something goes off i'm sure they can send someone yeah, over
0: yeah i don't know, oh man can you imagine oh i just i feel like there's like a we're totally deviating um like can you imagine uh like like a like a like a like a you all get together
2: mm-hmm
0: Oh, I'm the caretaker of the gardner Pingree House. I'm the caretaker of the, of the Ropes Mansion. I'm uh-huh. the caretaker of the Purse Nickel. How is your house? How is your house? None of you live. You just live with the old art. I'd like to Isn't live that in a, crazy. I'd live in a cot in the basement if I could.
1: To live to raise your family Ugh. in the Ropes Mansion, any of those homes. And although he did not live in the gardner Pingree House, Dean Lahikainen did oversee, as project manager, its entire restoration. In is, the 1980s. He the one
0: who did the, did you mention this and I, and I wasn't listening? The exhibit? He curated yes, the whole yeah, exhibit. Yeah. And he that's did the what
1: book. This, so that's what this book so is based on. the book based is on. based, so okay, so he did Well, the I mean, the the exhibit is based on his research that right, he right, did. Right, so he was doing the and research. And this is like a culmination of okay, that, okay. that research.
0: So he did, he was living?
1: He was living in the Purse Nichols house, working on the exhibit for the PEM. And writing this book as he lives in one of the earliest McIntyre buildings in Salem. Crazy. Isn't that incredible? Like, what a story. What a life to He retired last year. He retired last year.
0: I wonder if he still lives in Salem.
1: Oh, I'm sure he does.
0: Anyone's listening.
1: Let Dean (laughs) know that we mentioned him. We'd like to do an interview. I thought about that.
0: So what was it like, sir?
1: How cool. Yes. Don't talk like that to him, though. <laughs> it's old-style interview. Please, no. <laughs> but yeah, so cool. I find myself with our jobs and with the podcast almost like trekking this middle world between the past and the present. All Like, I spend so much time with historical figures, like, in my head, in my own head, which may not be the healthiest thing. Uh, you know. <laughs> but it's what we do and I can't help but imagine like what that would have been like to actually live in the setting in which you are studying. So again, that is Samuel McIntyre carving in American style. It was written by that gentleman who also put together the 250th anniversary of his life. They did an exhibit at the Peabody Essex Museum. So it was all about his carving. Um, They had I think something like over 200 different objects on display. And when I saw the stuff about it, I was like, oh, I hope it's still there. Of course it's not still there. It was 2007. So we are many, many years past, unfortunately. And then I was like, oh, when will they bring it back? Probably not for like another 50 years. So maybe we'll see it for his. So in 2057. Or, or. We already passed his death, so. <laughs> I was, like,
0: 1811, 57. What about me? Oh, shit. 17. Um,
1: it's not an easy undertaking, though. Imagine how many different museums and, and like, private collections they had to pull from for that oh, exhibit. To get everything? Yeah. Because yeah. they don't own all of it, so no. that is true. So yeah. it was, it, what, and it's probably why this so, book is so dang expensive. So, to be fair,
0: you can go to the Peabody Essex Museum Today, as long as the exhibit is still up. it It is the end of 2022. You can go to the exhibit today uh, and see several carvings by Samuel McIntyre.
1: But not this exhibit that I just referenced. No, no, referenced. no. But I'm saying to, right. to
0: see his work. Like yeah. to see actual, if you want to go to, it's not the exhibit, but you can go and you can see the seal. You can see the eagle. You can see, I believe, Washington's chair, medallion. Washington's medallion. So you can go and you can see several Actual artifacts. The there's a there's a thing, mantle not a mantle. I think there's a bit of sconce work or ceilings. There's something. I wouldn't be
1: surprised. Now I'm gonna want to look. I'm gonna be interested. I'm excited. I'm gonna be looking at the PEM with a new eye.
0: Trying to sneak in. If you if you if you get caught sneaking into the the basement, let me know. I'll I'll bail you out. Me? Yeah.
1: I wouldn't do that. Mm. You would do that. (laughs) You would do that. So know. you let me know. Uh, okay. You would then talk your way out of getting thrown in museum jail, though. I know you. <laughs> You'd swindle your way out of that. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some of those pieces that you can still see in Salem. So obviously, if we you just, go... We just mentioned the museum. If you go to one of your big museums around you today, like say a modern art museum like the Met or the Museum of Fine Art in Boston... You're gonna find McIntyre carvings, or yeah, perhaps a full-blown room, a Salem room.
0: Yeah, look for those uh, um, Americana yep. kind of
1: exhibits. Yep, yep, yep. But how about some of the structures that are still standing in Salem today? If you're walking the streets,
0: well, we've mentioned a few. Obviously, the Purse Nichols House. Obviously, Hamilton Hall.
1: Both located in the McIntyre Historic District, mm-hmm. which was started just in 1981. I was so kind of yeah, surprised to see that. Well, it that. used to be Federal and Essex. Right. It was two different...
0: Yeah. Do I have that wrong?
1: It used to be Chestnut Street... Chestnut. ...and, and Federal. And Federal. But yes. yeah, they so they combined the two old districts, added a bunch more buildings, and it is now the McIntyre District, which kind of stunned me that it took that long to really, you know...
0: I mean, we didn't build a memorial till
1: 1993. Yeah, you're right. Touche. Okay. But in nineteen eighty one they established the McIntyre district. If you enter, say you're you know that little cove that's right across from the Salem Inn? Mm-hmm. You've got Chestnut Street on one side, Essex Street on the other. I'm pretty sure there's like a McIntyre plaque mm-hmm. that kind of describes what you're looking at. And then if you look down at the the sidewalks, you'll see those plates, those and I wonder if they used one of his carvings like as inspiration. Wheat. Yeah, it's Probably. the wheat. And it tells you you are in the McIntyre District. It contains 407 buildings and is arguably the greatest concentration of 17th and 18th century domestic structures in the country. We always get asked, what is there to do outside of, like, the main drag of downtown? And I try to tell people, like, really stressed, take a walk, you know, going back to the witch trials, take a walk down to Proctor's Ledge. But if you do, be sure to take Federal Street there... Yeah, I and can tell Essex people that, like back. you can
0: just uh canal no um bridge you can just bolt straight down Bridge Street um
1: but who would want to do that right. yeah no Federal Streets wait I mean beautiful walk you'll see all these historic homes and then you don't have to see the same thing again just come back down Essex Street or Chestnut Street all three Federal Essex Chestnut if you haven't walked those before what on earth are you doing
0: they don't leave Essex Street.
1: And they don't even get to that part of Essex, though. They reach the Ropes Mansion. No, They're like, no, okay, no, I'm no. good. They, this was far. They,
2: they reach How do Washington we get Street. back? They reach
0: Washington Street.
1: <laughs> True. But, like, obviously people are going out of their way to see the witch house, see the Ropes Mansion. But you're right. Most of them do stay concentrated on Essex. If you're trying to avoid that mob of people in October, take a stroll down one of these historic streets because there's going to be very, very few people.
0: And, and also, I'm just going to highlight... Um, that many of these buildings are occasionally open to the public. Yes. Um, and I'm not going to say always. The ropes Mansion, I think, was open on weekends. The the Phillips House, which I don't think we've mentioned, is open on weekends in as the summer. well, on the yeah. summertime.
1: Through October, I think, yeah. a little bit. Uh,
0: so, so there are some of these places. Uh, so, and, and again, we keep... Don't always come in October. If you come some other time of the year... Um, like we're going to take this house tour, uh, coming up soon, uh, which we'll talk about when we do it, but that's going to probably be in historic homes. Is it going to be a McIntyre one? I doubt it. Might there be McIntyre stuff in it? Maybe. Is it still going to be sort of in the neighborhood? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get to walk by some of these homes and see them or just walk by, you know, like we have, uh, you, you have the internet that's your fingertips, you know, Google Salem McIntyre, Google some of these homes, see, see what they look like or something. Ha- there's all, there's events at Hamilton hall too. All sorts. there's there's a usually a Christmas thing, there's Burns night uh, there's art shows there's all sorts of Do you want
1: to explain real quick what Burns Night is because I actually didn't know what that was oh, until it, recently. It's, it's a
0: Scottish celebra a, a, a night of whiskey and drinking for in celebration of a Scottish poet. And
1: um, they do it every year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's January January 25th and there's drinking and haggis and, and merriment. Um, dancing in Hamilton Hall is always sort of weird because they have a spring-loaded floor.
1: Wasn't that to keep it like less stress on yeah, um, yeah. the ankles? Yep, and the yeah. knees.
0: So when when you walk, it, it you know you feel it. It bounces a little. So like everyone, as everyone's dancing, you're like
1: it moves a it little moves, bit. Yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah, it, it's really neat.
1: Is there dancing at Burns Night?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we're going. Yeah, you're going.
1: Are you going to be in England? I'm going to be in England. Ugh.
0: Maybe okay. may, maybe I'll go up to Scotland. For Burns Night. The
1: real Burns Night. For
0: the celebration of the Scottish poet. Um,
1: I, can't, I can't knock you for that, so. Thank
0: you. Uh, but yeah, there's always stuff at Hamilton Hall. One of the great things about Salem is our ability to interact uh, with a lot of these things. Go for it. Have a walk around.
1: And I do appreciate places like Hamilton Hall because it was put up as a public space, you know, as a... Assembly Hall, as they would call them back in the day, where people would meet to have concerts, um, balls, dances, those kinds of things. Just like Derby Square, where we use it as a market today, like it used to be back when that Old Town Hall was first put up. We're still using some of these locations for their first purpose, which I really appreciate because it's like a real connection with the history.
0: I think Hamilton Hall was a market at first as well. Don't quote me on that.
1: It may have like held like like hosted markets yeah but yeah it was like a concert hall of yeah sorts.
0: well the, the, the second floor is the concert hall there's several rooms on the first floor oh. which i i think were used as something and my history of hamilton hall is failing me at the moment but yeah
1: the cotting smith assembly house is another good one um, also in the McIntyre District, that one's again on Federal Street. The Phillips House, which you just mentioned, has a fascinating story behind it, and we're going to keep it mostly under wraps for a future episode, but basically when McIntyre was working with the Derby family after his death and he created Oak Hill, which was that farm in Danvers for Elizabeth Derby, eventually... Four of those rooms from the mansion will find their way onto Chestnut Street, and it is now known as the Phillips House. Two more stories will be added on top of them, so it is a full-blown, like, three-story Federalist structure. But those four base-bottom rooms built around the Central Hall are from Danvers, originally built based on McIntyre's plans. Of Oak Hill. And actually, Oak Hill is the one that you can see down in the Boston Fine Arts Museum. Okay. The Museum of Fine Arts. They have like a full blown preserved room from the mansion.
0: Speaking of preserved things, can we move on to like the last? What we got, like two, three things left? I think so. Where'd we go?
1: Ah, the, the summer house. There we go. I've oh.
0: been oh, waiting to get that out of you for like a few hours.
1: Well, I had so much to give in this episode. <laughs> I came with like 10 pages. <laughs> I'm sorry. But there was so much. Derby is fascinating, and he left such a mark. Um, and we're wait, only wanna, skimming the wanna, surface.
0: Do you want to try that one again? What? Who's fascinating? Oh, my God. Why do I keep saying <laughs> Derby?
1: We're not even diving into all his buildings because we literally don't have the time. But yes, the summer house. So we've talked about the summer houses before. And remember, the summer house that was located... And it's that small, you know, one-room, two-room structure that was outside of the actual home, oftentimes located in the gardens of an estate. It was a place where you could escape the treacherous heat. So you'd open up the windows, you let the breeze in, and you might have tea or lunch or entertain guests. There was one that was located on the Derby Mansion grounds, And although the mansion itself no longer stands, we do have the summer house. It's located now in the Essex block neighborhood of the PEM. So remember, if you go across the street from the PEM and you go through Armory Park, you can take that little corner.
0: Or or on Brown Street.
1: Or on Brown Street. There's two ways to get in. It's very open, although most people don't think it's public.
0: It doesn't look open from Hawthorne and Essex. Right. It looks very open from, I mean, New Liberty and Brown.
1: But the gardner Pingry House is included in that, that historic block, as well as this Derby Summer House, Derby BB Summer House, as it's called. And it is set looking out over gardens that are done in the Federalist style, and I believe were based on some of the original plans for Derby's gardens down in Derby Square. However, this is not the only summer house that exists. So where do we go, Jeffrey?
0: I can't actually remember.
1: The Glen Glen, Mag Glen, Glen Magna Farms.
0: I was like because I <laughs> I thought it was at the Danvers Historical Society.
1: Which you're um, not wrong cuz like the Danvers Historic Society owns it and operates Glen Magna, but
0: No, it's a little I don't mean little. It's a big mansion. Um, farmland, woods, little pond area. Uh, looks like a great wedding venue. Outdoor gardens, there was a little fountain, benches, uh, and the summer house.
1: I was oh, we've talked about this. I've been dying. Been,
0: so if you've listened to the podcast for more than like an episode, um <laughs> we, we all should make know. that a t-shirt. We should get the outline of it and be like <gasps> Sarah's home.
1: Sarah's future home. <laughs> Paid for by Jeffrey. <laughs>
0: Sarah lives here. Um, it was really cool. Uh Way bigger than the one in Salem. Literally, it's it's two stories. So like I.
1: But the footprint itself is larger.
0: Yeah, I, I think maybe another quarter, third larger. Uh huh. Um, and uh, were there were there urns on it?
2: Uh uh-huh.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So you've yep. got the McIntyre urns on yep. each corner at the top.
0: And then we saw inside two figures, a man and a woman. They looked.
1: Like carved wooden figures. Yeah. So by Life's, McIntyre, like life size, like yeah. our size.
0: Um, I I think they were. I don't want to say farmers. They they weren't like. I, I think a lot of times if you say farmer, you,
1: although it was on a farm. But right, right, but but
0: like when you say farmer, that invokes sort of like a the clothing is wrong. So period clothing, early eighteen, late seventeen hundred. So they are more. Much more uh, fancily dressed than, than you'd find in the late eight or mid eighteen or even today. Um, so it's not like jeans and a and a work shirt. You know, uh, they look better. Hats, dress. Um, he looked like he was holding a, a,
1: a scythe. scythe, a scythe, a um, scythe.
0: And she looked like she might have needed a bucket. Um,
1: like the, Was carrying around a basket.
0: Yeah, yeah. Those were really cool. Uh, they were inside, so we just sort of peek in the window to see them.
1: Obviously, to get them away from the elements. I do wonder if they ever bring them out. So those two figures— They,
0: they looked like they were in some some need of repair.
1: Yeah. They—and, again, Google this. Derby Summerhouse, Glen Magna Farms, or even Danvers Historical Society. It's literally their logo. The design is beautiful. We were in awe. Can I—is that right to say? Like, were you in a little bit of awe? Because I was. It was gorgeous. It was so cool to like read about something for so long and then finally be able to see it. And it was just around the corner, not too far.
0: And it's weird. It's literally like we left and within a minute, two, you're like passing Target.
1: Yeah, the mall. Yeah. Right around the corner. It's like,
0: oh, okay.
1: So again, if you want to see some of his architecture, you don't have to stick to Salem. You can search out your local museum, or your big museum, of course, or pop over to Danvers,
0: or if you're rich
1: as <laughs> I'm, gonna have to bleep you on that. If
0: if if you're rich like Mister Derby,
1: if you got Derby money,
0: specifically six hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars, ten years ago, two thousand
1: thirteen, I believe,
0: ten years ago, you could have bought one of, and we've talked about this before, one of Mister mcintyre's chairs one of the eight that were built for derby and this is where i got the six before one of six that survived ah so there was eight there is now six uh one of which is in a private collection was sold at Christie's uh for two-thirds of a million dollars
1: and it set the record for the most expensive piece of federalist furniture yeah ever
0: so i don't know what it's gonna sell for next uh if it ever goes back to public auction but hey who knows whoever, whoever I was gonna
1: say you did say you were gonna buy it so if, I guess we'll find out
0: and I told and for those and I can't this must have been like our third episode or something right like this was ages ago I mm-hmm. said so I would buy it and then bring it to Derby Square
1: oh no we t- this was I think the um the shipping was it episode. Ship? Yeah. yeah when we were talking about trade
0: yeah or maybe it was the Derby episode either way bring it to Derby square and and sit in Derby square in in the chair
1: and I think you said that you would bring a bucket of Fish. Fish to really, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to get the smell going. Get the smell oh, correct. Yeah, so we can yeah. really feel out the history. Yeah, yeah. That's great. A very, very, very expensive piece of furniture. So my fun little extra, and this is the last thing that I have to contribute, so don't worry, we're almost there. So I had mentioned that they had featured him on the Antiques Roadshow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't look up anything, because I'm nope, going to ask nope, you nope. how much money. I was mind blown when I saw... The YouTube video, like the cover of it, because I saw the medallion of George Washington, okay. like one of those. And it's about this size. So I'd say it's, it's probably about a yeah, I'd say it's like a foot and a half tall, maybe mm-hmm. maybe eight inches across hand carved by McIntyre. It's a profile of George Washington. Yeah,
0: it, it's the same. Yeah, it's
1: the same one. We've he, And he's done the same thing yeah, over yeah. and over again. So there are multiple out there. It's got kind of a crazy story behind it. The gentleman who came on Antiques Roadshow, and this was back in two thousand fourteen, said that his the family story was when the Marquis de Lafayette came to do his you know, he did after the revolution. Yeah,
0: like Washington, that's why just Lafayette like, and yeah. everything, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. We have him going around and there's parades and there's parties in his honor. They had a parade in Boston and they kinda went a little crazy. And after the cleanup crew came through the day after this was picked up. It had fallen off of one of the buildings. Okay. So that's like the family lore behind how they got it. Yeah,
0: it sounds like something I'd say after I stole it.
1: <laughs> yes, it does, actually. So give you a guess as to how much they estimated it's worth. This is back in 2014, medallion of George Washington. We have no idea how many actually still exist out there. Carved by Samuel McIntyre, architect of Salem.
0: So antiques Roadshow does like an estimate right they'd be like 50 to 100 right uh-huh. so okay. that's
1: that's a very wide range yeah,
0: yeah but that's a lot of time th- they give like yeah really they wide. do
1: give they do give ranges yeah
0: so I'm gonna go
1: anywhere between a hundred thousand and two million dollars
0: right you're like oh with the right person at auction this could reach upwards of I don't know I want to say somewhere between I'm thinking I'm feeling like 170 is like what I'm thinking so'm I'm gonna I'm gonna but I'm not sure like 170 to two hundred.
1: You're kind of close, but like a hundred thousand off so up they, or down down. Oh. So they said seventy to ninety thousand dollars okay
0: okay. that's not that much.
1: That's not that much. The, the I, chair a, I, went
0: for six hundred and sixty.
1: Yeah, I will admit, I was waiting. I was like waiting for an even higher price tag. I Was yeah. like, oh my god, it's Wash, it's Washington. Anything with Washington's face on it go,
0: typically go. That, that's right. what I was thinking. I was like, it's Washington and it's McIntyre. Yep. Um, so it's going to be pro- prolific to two or three uh, kinds of collectors. You're going to, I guess, although it's not furniture, because so I guess furniture. collectors. Oh, but it's
1: even cooler than furniture.
0: <laughs> right, but furniture collectors tend to only collect furniture. Okay. Right. Washington collectors are tending to. So you you might, even though it is carved by McIntyre, the and collector might not value the fact that it's McIntyre carved. Gotcha. Right.
1: So you'd have to find the right person, mm. and so then you could sell it for two million with the
0: right person at auction. There we go.
1: Pretty cool, eh?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I loved this topic so much. I loved McIntyre, and I have such a newfound appreciation for these streets.
0: McIntyre's great, and I, I think, and again, it's something I say, and I've said before, you know, uh, that the city of Salem that people love today has pretty much nothing to do with the Salem Witch Trials and a whole heck of a lot to do with Samuel McIntyre.
1: Absolutely. So shall we end on his epitaph?
0: Where do you want to begin and end?
1: Give me the whole thing. Just hit me.
0: Okay. In memory of Mr. Samuel McIntyre, who died... February 6th, 1811, aged 54. He was distinguished for genius in architecture, sculpture, and music. Modest and sweet manners rendered him pleasing, industry, and integrity respectable. He professed the religion of Jesus in his entrance and on manly life, and proved its excellence by virtuous principle and unblemished conduct.
1: And on that note,
0: thanks for listening.
1: See you later.